0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Well, you know, as I'm wont to do, uh, I always have a little extra that didn't make it into the podcast. Not as much with airline deregulation. I really did. I mean, it's a narrow policy point. I really did try to get everything in. But some things you do leave out. So David Boyce, um, he is also playing a role here. and We didn't really talk about him. He's also a Kennedy staffer in addition to Stephen Breyer. And working with the White House. Um, Now he's kind of a super lawyer for a lot of uh, cases. Um, Note that uh, airline deregulation leads to love. Because David Boyce and Mary Shulman over at the White House end up meeting over working on this regulation. Fall in love and get married. And still married today. Um, Southwest Airlines is... You know, even though people express people's express died out, you know, deregulation doesn't guarantee that any startup competitor is going to survive. They can go out of business just as much as the big lines. But Southwest Airlines is kind of the beneficiary of airline deregulation, and they actually saluted Ted Kennedy on his death in two thousand nine. At that point, they were offering fifty nine dollar one way fares. Um, really dominating the industry when once they were confined to interstate Texas flights. Um, And that was true until 1979. Southwest couldn't get out of Texas because they just couldn't compete. Um, We talked a little bit about Ralph Nader and uh, his commitment to deregulation as kind of a consumer issue. There was another element of his thinking that we just didn't have time to get to he wasn't just concerned about high consumer prices but also systemic risk and we've seen that with the too big to fail debate with banks Um, you had an example of railroads such as penn central going bust and then coming to the government to get bailed out and that this would continue there were many who thought the airlines were coming they were going to suffer the same fate and then would come to Congress and say, you have to bail us out if they were not allowed to become competitive and allowed to sustain themselves. Sears Roebuck helped in airline deregulation, which sounds weird and is going to end up being ironic, but let's just explain. Um, And they are one of a number of businesses we mentioned, United Airlines, other businesses supported the airline regulation because it had an effect on cargo uh sears saw that airline and trucking would lower their shipping rates and would help them being able to offer better rates to consumers for their products um the interesting thing is that in getting what they wanted on airline and trucking deregulation that kind of created or bolstered walmart which by the mid 80s was starting to really compete and be noticed by sears and so they kind of uh help to do their own undoing their Sears, along with a lot of other bad decisions. Now uh, we talked a little bit about Howard Cannon of Nevada, chairman of the powerful subcommittee. He's one of many people in the story. Carter kind of references it in his comment on signing that there weren't so many people in the room when we started this. And now there seems to be a lot of people, including his own treasury secretary who didn't want it. So Howard Cannon, the Senator from Nevada is one of these people and, um, what it looks like happened is, is because Kennedy was making such a fuss about deregulation, there's no way Cannon could ignore it. And he ends up getting on board. So without any real jurisdiction, Kennedy's committee, it really works that in a couple of years, he ends up affecting the more important um, Commerce Committee, Subcommittee on Aviation and Commerce. Um Kennedy didn't, like, give up on his deregulation. He wasn't embarrassed by it. It wasn't something that he wasn't proud of uh, during that uh, those hearings. He says, Regulators all too often encourage or approve unreasonably high prices, inadequate service, and anti-competitive behavior. The cost of this regulation is often passed on to the consumer. It's notable that even in one of, one of his greatest political moments, his speech at the 1980 convention, he makes a point of mentioning deregulation, something he's proud of, not something he, he just did in the '70s on as a fluke and walked away from. In fact, he says, like other people talk about deregulation, we actually accomplished it. And that's um, uh, you know, really a jab at it at Reagan. We ended excessive regulation in the airline and trucking industry and restored competition. So uh, we talked about unions and the effect on trucking. There's a little less of that with airlines because airline employees are governed by the railway labor, the RLA Railway Labor Act. That actually guarantees that railway and it also applies to airline workers will be represented by a union. And thus guarantees salaries and workers. You do have some people in the airline industry who have their target on that. If we really have deregulation, do you want to get rid of that? That didn't happen with trucking. And so that's why you see with trucking, you know, there's many people. We probably only touched on it because we only touched on trucking. But if we did a whole podcast on trucking, we'd have to tell the story of the past in the seventies where there were truckers making like good pensions and retiring and working reasonable hours. And a lot of that is gone because they're not all represented by unions. Now we talked about the 1978 world series as a quick, just to kind of what's going on at the same time. And, uh, there's an incident during that world series the reggie bump where jackson is running and it looks like he intentionally deflects shortstop bill russell's throw which would have been an ending ending double play but jackson deflects it with his hip now here's the ball again it's hit to russell who knocks it down and now he steps on the back forces jackson you saw the umpire motion safe. I'm sure it was on the ball It was hit, nothing else. And they've got a meeting out there. Looks like an election coming up. There's so many people between first and second. Now, got a summit meeting out there is what they've got. Almost every Dodgers around there and all the umpires. Look at that. Everybody is reaching for the ball and fight. is entitled to the base until they, unless they rule interference. Again, and you make up your mind, and the Sorter is really upset and you can't say that you blame him. Um, but it's not really possible to tell whether he did it on purpose or not. And in characteristic fashion, you know, Jackson says, um, I started towards second when it appeared Pinella's ball would be a hit. Then he stopped when Russell seemed capable of catching it. Then he moved towards second when Russell dropped it. Then I froze. He said, smiling. As one reporter said, uh, by being Coy Jackson had the best of both worlds, the adulation that he covets, and also no future wrath from umpires, he might have embarrassed by admitting that he interfered with the ball and they didn't call it. Even if he had ducked out of the way at the last moment, damage may have already been done. Um, We talked a lot about different types of deregulation, and I I think it's important to make it clear that There were limits to the amount of deregulation that the Carter administration was pursuing. For instance, when it came to natural gas deregulation, this was proposed, but Carter holds the line here. Uh, One New York Times story says, Mr. Carter's advisors are known to feel that deregulation would not yield big increases in natural gas supplies and that producers should not be permitted to reap large profits from a shortage that is expected to persist. Uh, Instead, the administration favored a tax that could be imposed on windfall profits of producers, as President Ford recommended, when he sought to end price controls for oil. Either way, the end result of deregulation combined with a tax would be higher prices to consumers. Um, During the campaign, Mr. Carter pledged in letters to the governors of Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana to work with the Congress to deregulate new natural gas in this context new generally means gas that has not been committed to the interstate market as distinct from gas that is under contract to interstate pipelines Carter's energy administrator fed John O'Leary asserted that deregulation would not lead to a major increase in natural gas supplies and that would have some inflationary effect So, you know, he wasn't deregulating everything. He was picking and choosing. One thing that we didn't talk about was the deregulation of depository institutions and monetary control. Um, What was happening around the same time as the airline deregulation is that banks were also regulated in how much they could pay in interest rates to those who were essentially saving money. They were limited by laws that were in effect since the Great Depression. Savers began to avoid banks as vehicles for their savings and place their funds in unregulated entities such as mutual funds. Unfortunately, some savers, notably lower-income households, could not access such alternatives. And the rate on their savings was significantly below what was available in financial markets. So what the act did is provide for the gradual elimination of all limitations on the rates of interest, which are payable on deposits and accounts. It also... um This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news It also put other types of banks, such as savings and loans and credit unions, under the jurisdiction of the Federal Reserve System, in order to increase the Fed's ability to control the money supply. It also mandated the Federal Reserve begin charging for fees that it used to provide for free, such as currency and coin storage for banking institutions, check clearing, collections, wire transfers, safekeeping of securities. Now, while Carter's legislation did expand savings and loans, he's not responsible for deregulating them. That comes... In 1981, with the Garn-Saint-Germain Depository Institutions Act, enacted in Congress by 1982 to ease pressures on banks and savings and loans. Named after Fernand-Saint-Germain, a Democrat from Rhode Island, and Senator Jake Garn, a Republican from Utah, it passes the House 272-91 to and eliminates many... um, deposit requirements, and other regulations on savings and loans. And that's going to have a checkered, definitely going to be a checkered part of the Reagan administration and really do damage that goes all the way into the recession of the early 1990s. That's it on this one. I I didn't have too much. It's, uh, It's one of those episodes where we kind of put everything put everything out on the store shelves so to speak. I <laughs> thank you for supporting us on Patreon or the premium podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye now.